Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. everyone gathered in this space, as well as all those who are watching and listening online. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 1. We'll end up in Matthew 1 in just a few minutes. Sundays aside, when I'm up here on stage doing my thing, I am a fairly private, fairly quiet, fairly reserved person. One of my core values is try not to do anything to embarrass yourself in public. You think, oh, you're a preacher? Nice job with that. I don't like being embarrassed in public. And people who are not easily embarrassed in public make me really uncomfortable, especially when I'm with them in public. Their lack of embarrassment often embarrasses me. We have a family friend who is one of those people. Actually, let me put a finer point on this. Heather has a friend that I have to hang out with sometimes who is one of those people. She makes me really, really uncomfortable. She wears reindeer antlers everywhere she goes the entire month of December. She breaks out in loud song in restaurants. She strikes up awkward conversations with people she knows as well as complete strangers. No, I do not want to see your scar. She's a female version of Cousin Eddie in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) And if ever there were justification for shooting another human being with a tranquilizer dart, she's it. My chest tightens when she walks in the room. My chest is tight right now just talking about her. (laughs) Part of my problem, and this is my issue, is that I tend to worry too much about what other people think of me. For those of you who speak Enneagram, I am a three on the Enneagram, which means I am always managing my public image to some degree. 
I'm always paying attention to the way you may be perceiving me. I can't help it. Even when I'm talking and acting as if I don't really care what you think of me, I'm doing that so that you will think I'm the kind of person who doesn't care what you think of me, even though I really do. I mean, try sorting that out for $150 an hour. The prayer of my heart could easily be, Lord, here I am. Please don't embarrass me. Which you know is an absurd prayer. Because throughout the scriptures, God calls his people to do outrageous, embarrassing, sometimes scandalous things which is also why many times throughout Scripture, we, or I would say often throughout Scripture, we don't see people actively seeking God's call or God's mission for their life. It finds them. They don't go looking for it, and it comes to them in surprising times and surprising places. And the usual response initially is, ah, could you send somebody else to do that? That doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. How about you find someone else? My advice to those who come to me and say, you know, I'm really seeking God's call for my life right now is, are you sure you want to know? Be careful what you ask for because God may call you to do something that makes you look foolish, something that embarrasses you, something that could cost you your reputation. Consider Joseph's story in Matthew chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 18. Matthew tells us, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Another way of translating that is he was a righteous man or he was righteous. That's a better translation. Because Joseph, her husband, was righteous and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, now, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew tells us, parenthetically, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. When our boys were little, and a new character was introduced into a story we were reading or watching, they would sometimes lean in and whisper, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Well, Joseph is without a doubt a good guy. 
Matthew calls him righteous. And in this story, righteous is more than just a description of a character, a good guy. It's a label, a social label, a religious label. It's a reputation. It's a status. To say that Joseph was righteous, sadiq in the original language, is to say that he had dedicated his life to studying, learning, and being faithful to God's law, and therefore being faithful to God. This means that Joseph was rigorous in keeping kosher, only eating clean foods, keeping the Sabbath, keeping the right company. He was active in his local synagogue. Other than being called a priest or a prophet or the Messiah, there was no higher praise given to a man in Joseph's day than to call him Sadiq. He was held up as an example to be imitated. He's the kind of man you would want your daughter to marry. He was the epitome of respectable religion. And all of this puts Joseph in quite a predicament when Mary tells him her news. She says, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, I haven't been with anyone. The Holy Spirit is responsible for the baby in my womb. No respectable or respected Sadiq could or would marry a young woman who would make such a claim. It was absolutely out of the question. Joseph probably didn't know Mary that well. It was likely an arranged marriage. They were betrothed to one another, which was a legally binding agreement. It lasted for a year. And during that time period, they were called husband and wife, but they weren't yet living together. So the only way, at this point in their relationship, the only way Joseph could call off the wedding was to divorce her, to break that legal arrangement, to break that legal agreement, which according to Deuteronomy 24, and Joseph would have known the scripture well, he had every right to do. But Joseph's sadiqness goes all the way to his heart. He really is a good guy. And he wants to spare this young woman from public disgrace and shame. So he intends to divorce her as quietly as possible, not make a big deal out of it, not bring any more attention to her scandal than is necessary. He's a good guy. And then the angel of the Lord intervenes and tells him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take her home. Now, why would the angel say, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid of this. Because if Joseph goes through with this marriage, it's going to cost him his righteous reputation. In an honor-based culture like that one, marrying a pregnant virgin means that Joseph would never be a part of respectable religion again. He would never be called Sadiq again. And Joseph and Mary and Jesus will be called a number of things, but never Sadiq. 
You remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw how Elizabeth's pregnancy took away her disgrace. Well, in this story today, Mary's pregnancy brings disgrace upon both her and Joseph. But Joseph is Sadiq for a reason. He loves God and he's dedicated his life to pleasing the one he loves. And now the one he loves is calling him to do a difficult but truly righteous thing. But this right thing is going to cost Joseph his reputation. But Joseph loves God more than he loves his reputation. And he surrenders it to the call of God. Joseph shows us that God's calling is more important than what other people call us. I'll say that one again. God's calling, what God calls us to do for the sake of God's mission is more important than what other people call us. And so Joseph does what the angel commands. And in doing so, he redefines Sadiq in this story. Sadiq now is not a label of respect given by others. It's an identity given by God. Your reputation is what other people think of you. Your identity is who God says you are. And when Joseph brings Mary and her baby into his home to take care of them, he is Sadiq, he is righteous, he is right in the eyes of the Lord, which is the only opinion that really matters. I love the way Scott McKnight summarizes Joseph's story in his book, The Jesus Creed. McKnight says, sometimes the implication of listening to the voice of God is that we ruin our reputation in the public square. Loving God involves surrendering ourselves to God in heart, soul, mind, strength, and reputation. The minute we turn exclusively to the Lord to find our true identity is the day reputation dies. Which brings me to this question. How willing are we to sacrifice our reputation in the community, in the religious community, for the sake of God's mission? There's a line in the Gospel of John about the Pharisees. Some of them believed in Jesus, but they were unwilling to confess him publicly. They believed in Jesus, but they would not confess it publicly because as John says in chapter 12, verse 43, they loved praise from men more than praise from God. I feel the sting of this line when I think of what I did years ago when I ran into a high school classmate in the middle of a department store when I was in graduate school studying to become a minister. We're chatting it up. We had grown up together, played sports together. We're chatting it up and he says, hey, I heard you're gonna be a preacher. And for whatever reason, I was embarrassed for my old friend to know this. And I looked him in the eye and denied it. And then I heard a rooster crow right there in the middle of Dillard's. Hmm, 
Some of you have had to make a painful choice. You've had to tell your parents or your spouse or your friends that you were becoming a Christian, that you were going to follow Jesus as Lord, knowing they would not approve and that it might cost you a relationship. Entire congregations experience this tension sometimes as they try to be true to the kind of church God is calling them to be, even as other Christians and other churches don't understand or approve of the kind of church they're becoming. Some of you have experienced this tension with your family. I have friends whose parents will not attend church with them over the holidays because my friend's church is not Sadiq enough for their parents. And none of this should surprise us because this is the way God has always moved God's story forward in a world lulled to sleep by respectable religion. Jesus' life, his ministry, his way of being the kind of people he associated with, it was a scandal to the religious people in his day. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus' death on the cross was foolishness to the Greeks or the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and it was a stumbling block to the Jews. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection had a way of turning all kinds of people off. It was scandalous and offensive and embarrassing. Should his birth be any different? Even before he died, Jesus is calling his mother and father to give up their need to be respected by their peers. The world needed a savior, and that savior needed a family. And Jesus needed a human father to love him, to raise him, to look after him. And Joseph left behind his respectable religion for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the kingdom of God. And today the world still needs a savior and the savior still needs a family to represent him in this world. And Jesus is still calling his family of followers to leave behind respectable, predictable, routine religion for something more scandalous and costly, but also for something that actually has the power to change the world. May we be the kind of people who when God calls us to do something, we do it. Even if it embarrasses us, even if it makes us look foolish, even if it costs us our reputation, because we understand that what God calls us to do is more important than what other people call us. What God calls us to do is more important than what other people call us. I'm going to close with a prayer of surrender from the Wesleyan tradition. It's attributed to John Wesley. And this is not the kind of prayer you spring on people and ask them to pray without them first reading it and knowing what they're praying. So I'm going to read through this prayer first, and then I'll invite you to stand and read and pray this with me out loud. But 
but only if you're ready to pray it. This is the prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to do what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. This prayer to me captures the heart of Joseph in this story. I invite you to stand and read and pray this prayer with me out loud. And if there are a few phrases in this prayer you're not ready to pray out loud yet, just hum, just mumble through them. None of us are there 100% of the time. Let's pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And the people of God said, Amen. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.